journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Shavuot Tov, and I hope that you have your seatbelt on and you're ready for a trip of a lifetime. We are studying Parshas Vayera. We are studying Genesis. We are looking in chapter 21 and we are following the life of our forefather Abraham, all the trials and tribulations of which we know that he had 10 major ones, um, and just learning about the genesis of the Jewish people in particular and the genesis of civilized world, of the civilized world um, in general. We finished up last week with the very interesting story of Hagar and Yishmael and how Abraham had to send his maidservant and his son away because of the way that Yishmael was behaving. And we are now going to um, read a couple of verses where we are going to really go on a tangent a little bit and understand what it means to be hospitable and charitable. So for those of you that are wanting to follow inside, we are in chapter 21, we're starting on verse 22. It is the sixth portion of the reading of Parshat Vayera Shishi, and it starts as follows. Vayehi, and it was, Be'et hahi, at that time, Vayomer Abimelech Ufichol, Sar Tzvao El Avraham, Abimelech, and his head of staff and his general by the name of Fichol, they said to Avraham, Lamor saying, Elohim imcha, God is with you, b'chol asher ata in everything that you do. Just for those who are only logging in right now, we know that um, Abraham went to and moved to the land of the Plishtim in the city of Gerar when he moved away from Hebron after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it was there that Sarah was once again uh, kidnapped and taken to Abimelech's palace. Uh, God caused a whole lot of miracles to happen. Abimelech got very sick, and they were diseased, etc., uh, etc. Et and we know the happy ending was that when he realized that he had thought he was taking Abraham's sister, not Abraham's wife, he releases Sarah, and they make a peace treaty between them, and Abimelech says to him, you can live in the land of Christian as long as you want. And in fact, we're told that Abraham stays there for another 26 years. So here they come back to Abraham again. We're picking up on that thread, that story. And now he comes along with his gen- general uh, uh, Fichol. And he says to Abraham, look, we can see that you are a man of God and everything you're doing is 100% true. Now we are taught here, we are taught, and the, the, the Midrash teaches us that if a person does the right thing, even his enemies eventually will want to make peace with him because God will give them a spirit of peace, a spirit of brotherhood, and we're told that if somebody walks the right path in Torah and does all the right things, it says, and this is from the Midrash, that even wild creatures such as flies and mosquitoes that normally bite and sting will not come near him. And so too, says the Midrash is that this was the same um, as Abraham, Avimelech, very much hated Abraham in the beginning because he had caused so much torment by claiming that Sarah was his sister. But after he looked at Abraham and saw that, wow, this guy was saved from when he fought the four powerful kings and then he was left unharmed um, 
when Storm and Gomorrah were destroyed, and then he went and had a son at a hundred years old. His feelings towards Abraham started to change. And when he saw all the successes of Abraham, Abimelech became very, very fond of him. Now, the one thing that they did hold against him was when they heard that Abraham had sent away Hagar and Ishmael. And they they came to him and they basically said to him, listen, when we saw you drive away your son Ishmael, we found it very difficult to understand. Like, you're meant to be a, a good-hearted man. Like, who has the heart to do this? Even though you, you, you have another son, um, and even say a man has a hundred children, he should love them all the same. So when we see you good-hearted to, to every stranger, showing hospitality and giving them what they need, how could you have, have cast your firstborn son out of the house? But, and this is really where the verse starts for us, they came out to say that we actually understand. We had first, we, we had something against you, but now we understand why you sent it away. We could see that he's wicked and that he is not following in your ways. And we understand why you had to make that very, very difficult decision. And therefore they said, Elohim imcha b'chol we see that God is actually with you in everything you do. So this must have engendered some type of nervousness on behalf of Avimelech and, and, and Fikol. And so they suggested the following. Ve'ata, and now. Hashiv Ali be'elokim, swear to me here by God, heina im tishko li ulenini ulenechti kachesed asher asita imcha tase imadi v'ima aretz asher gatava. Please, Promise me that you will not swear falsely with me or my son or my grandson and the kindness that I have shown you, you will show me and to the land in which you lived for a while. So basically what was Avi Melech saying? He was saying, listen, I did you a favor, allowed you to live in the land. Any other man would have driven you out of his land. I did the opposite, allowed you to settle. And now I want to quit pro um uh, uh, agreement. I haven't harmed you, so I want you to promise me that you will not harm me, my children, or my g- grandchildren, and that you will not drive them away from the land, and that you will not take any food that grows in the land. He wants to ensure now that this powerful man that that he he, he was aware of is is going to not turn against him and do something that he knows that he will be power, powerless against. Vayomer Abraham, and Abraham says, this is verse 24, I will swear, meaning that he himself made the oath, and he bounded only on himself, not on his descendants. He said, didn't say, I'm swearing on behalf of myself and my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. I am only making the oath on myself, and that's what what he did. Now, um, the truth is, is that there was a, a lot of up, um, upheaval that was given to Avraham because he didn't consult uh, he didn't consult God in all of this. Um, he should have gone and said to God, can I make a peace treaty with Avimelech and act accordingly? He didn't. And that would, that got the Jewish people, um, into, 
into a, a lot of trouble, which we are going to discuss just after the break. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Well, welcome back. And we are looking at a contract, at a peace treaty that is being um, negotiated between Abraham and Avimelech. We're in chapter 21 of Genesis, and now we are going to look at verse 25 onwards, and we're going to actually learn some very interesting things. Abraham et Avimelech. So he promises Avimelech. He says, I swear, I won't touch you. But then Abraham goes and rebukes Avimelech. And he says, He brings up a point of contention regarding a well of water that Avimelech's servants had taken by force. And Avimelech says to him, I don't know who did such a thing. And you didn't tell me. And I never heard anything until this day. So what is happening over here? So the first thing that we've got to point out and see is that when one has a problem, when one has a dispute, when one has an argument, when one does not one is not happy one with another. Um, it's not a good to keep it to yourself. It is not good to hide it under the carpet. But rather, you should want to, A, to make peace and that you should express your complaints so as to, to clear, clear the air. Because if everyone, if each person does not understand the other's complaint, even if you try to act friendly and pretend there's nothing there, the truth of the matter is that the peace will not last and any Small misdeed would re, would reignite the controversy. So the, 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 the proper manner in dealing with arguments is to bring it up to the person. And this is very true here. So before Abraham completes the peace treaty with Abimelech, he brings up a major point of contention. What was the contention? That Abraham's servants had dug a well. And then Avimelech's servants had come along and seized it, arguing that they were the ones that had dug it. So where they were making peace, Abraham brought this up because it, it, in truth it wasn't fair. Now, if you look at the wording from Avimelech, he says it, he, he rebats the fact that he doesn't know about it in three ways. He goes, I didn't know who did this thing. You didn't tell me. And I didn't hear about it until today. Why is he saying these three things? Okay. Um, we are told that he went and said, I don't know who did such a things. Means that he personally was saying that I really, I've, I, 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 I didn't hear, I've never heard about this. Like no one's, no one said anything to me. And then it says that he actually turned around to Fichol and said, Lohigadata Li. Okay? You didn't tell me. And to because why? Fichol was his general. He should know everything. He should have told Abimelech. And Fichol replied and said, Gam Shamati I too have not heard until this day. So very, very importantly, and I think over here again this is a huge lesson for us. 
in today's age, and it's been something that 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 should be a standard throughout the all the ages. When you have that variable, when you have that argument, when you have when you're bearing that grudge, number one, you're not allowed to. Second of all, probably the best way to alleviate all of those things is to have it out in a in a nice and um, mature way in saying, listen, we have a problem. I need to get it off my chest. Let me explain to you where I'm coming from. Hear the other person out and iron things out. And I think that this has been a huge call, particularly now in coronavirus times, that people actually come to the fore and not sit and still have the forever with their auntie, their brother, their grandmother's best friend's sister, whoever whoever it is that you have. It really is not a pleasant way to to carry on one's life. So he he brings it up to Avi Melech, and he actually builds the whole peace treaty around the settlement of this dispute. What does he do? Vayikach Abraham Tzon Ubakar. He takes sheep and cattle. Vayitel la Avi Melech, and he gives it to Avi Melech. Vayichrutu shnehem brit. The two of them make a treaty. Vayetev Abraham et Sheva Kifsat Hatzon Levadhem. And then what Abraham does is he takes seven female sheep by themselves. Vayomer Avi Melech el Abraham. Avi Melech says to Abraham, Mahena Sheva Kavasota ela Ashehi Tzafta Levadana. What is the reason you've taken these seven female sheep, these ewes, and you have put them apart? So Vayomer Abraham says back to Abimelech, Ki et sheva kvasot tichach miyadi, I've taken these five ewes uh, from my hand, tiheli le'eda, that they should be a proof, ki chafarti et ha'ba'er hazot, that I in fact have dug this well. What are these verses telling us? That in fact what he did was he made the shepherds bring Basically, basically, everybody brought the gifts that they were bringing to the party in order to sign the peace treaty. That's how they used to do it in the good old days. So Abraham said, you bring your sheep, let me bring my sheep, and let's see if the water rises for either flock, then the owner of that flock is the one to whom the wells belong. And so they agreed. Abraham brought his female sheep, Avimelech brought his sheep, and lo and behold, when they made the test, it showed that the well actually did belong to Abraham. And that's how they made that treaty. When Abimelech um, saw it, he went and said, and he understood that this, in fact, what Abraham was saying about the well was indeed true. Now, here's the most amazing thing, because we have it still today. Alkane, therefore, Karalamakomahu, they called that place, none other than Be'er Sheva, Be'er Sheva here, it's called, Be'er Sheva, Kisham Nisbe'u Shnehem, because this is where the two of them made their oath. Ve'yichrutu brit be'er Sheva, they made a covenant in Be'er Sheva, and then Avimelech and his general Fichel got up, the Yashuvu al Eretz Plishtim, they returned 
to the land of the Plishtim. Now, if anybody would like to corroborate the truth of the Torah, the truth of what it is that we Jews cling to fastidiously as we did and as our, our grandparents and forefathers um, did all the way back to Abraham, it's, here is just a simple point that points to it. Where else can you find a text uh, or a story that happened 4,000 years ago and today you can still identify the place? Beersheba is very much, I think, actually, I stand to be corrected, I think it's the fourth largest city in the land of Israel. I myself have had the honor and blessing to visit it. Um, I did visit it haphazardly, I must be honest. I was on my way back to uh, to flying out to Israel from, from a light, and we actually stopped in Beersheba, and we had the most incredible falafel there. We were really very hungry. But Beersheba is a big, big, bustling city in the land of Israel today, and it's got its name, and um, it is the place where we are recounting now the biblical story of Abraham and Avimelech. Now, why is it called Be'er Sheva, the wall, the, the well of seven? Well, because, huh, excuse the pun, it's because seven female sheep were brought there and they proved that the well that Abraham had dug was in fact theirs. So that's why it's called Be'er Sheva. But it also can, um, can also uh, mean Be'er Shava, but it is the well of oath. Shavah, Shavuah is an oath, and it's called the well of oath because this is where Abraham swore and made an allegiance with the Plishtim. Okay, this is where they kept their word. Now, one of the things that we know is that Abraham should have asked God about making this treaty. He didn't, and we we're told that eventually um, he would land up paying a high price for making this treaty. Why? Because, and, and he's criticized for this, uh, the rabbis go and say that an oath was sufficient. There was no need to do a formal treaty, which is basically a, a sign of love and brotherhood. And he never asked God permission. So what happened with his descendants? So it says that because he gave seven use seven female sheep uh, Abraham gave to Abimelech, God later gave the Plishtim the ability to kill seven, seven saints, seven Tzedekim. They killed Shimshon, Hophni, and Pinchas, which were Eli HaKohen's sons, and then they also, in addition to, they had killed Shaul, King Shaul, King Saul, and his three sons. Um, and uh, we thought, wow, this is like quite a hectic punishment for a seemingly innocuous treaty, but we're told that when it comes to tzaddikim, when it comes to very holy people, God is very exacting with them, even as little as a hand's breadth, and he really shouldn't have gone all the way in making such a huge treaty. Um, we're told also... Um, oh, let me let me continue and tell you tell you a little bit more. So then we are told the following: Vayita Eshel Be'er Shava. Avram planted an Eshel tree in Be'er Sheva. 
And there he called in the name of God who was the God of the universe. And Abraham lived in the land of the Plishtim for many, many days. Right. Let's look at the, at this incredible verse because there's such a tremendous amount to be learned from it. Vayita Eshel Bever Sheva. He, he planted an Eshel tree. Um, so the first thing that we are told is what is an Eshel tree? So we are told that it is a tamarisk tree and that is what Abraham actually, um, planted. But in Torah, many, many times, we will know that certain letters or certain words are actually sometimes an acronym, <coughs> excuse, an acronym for something much bigger. The word Eshel, Aleph, Shin, Lamed, is actually an acronym for three words. The Aleph stands for Achila, for eating. The Shin stands for Shetia, which is drinking. And the Lamad stands for Leviah, which means escorting. So when they say that Abraham planted an Eshel in Be'er Sheva, our rabbis are telling us is that in truth what he did is that he planted a, 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 a holiday inn, a place where he could fulfill the mitzvah of hospitality um, in a very, very big way, a place where people could eat, people could drink, and people could rest and be escorted out. Some actually go and say that um, the word Eshel also, if you take the three letters, Aleph, Shin, and Lamed, and you just um, mix them around, you come out with the word Sha'al, which means to ask, meaning Abraham would ask every guest what he wished to eat, what he, and he would serve each one according to what he required. Now, what is the connection with the fact that some rabbis are saying he planted a tamarisk tree and others say, no, he was hospitable. He was actually, he put up a, a big hotel um, that allowed him to be hospitable. So the rabbis come and tell us in the Gomorrah, one who is hospitable will have good children. Why? Because hospitality is like a fruitful tree. The more hospitable you are, the more you will have good children and it will allow you to, to, to bring up successful generations. Um, so it's really, really interesting that this play on words really in truth is very, very much, um, very much connected. And what I want to do now is just actually spend a little bit of time um, talking about the the mitzvah, the commandment of hachnasat orchim, of inviting guests. Now, South Africans are very, very well known for their hospitality. In fact, I think it's one of our trademarks. When you go overseas, many, many times I know South Africans come back a little bit disillusioned when we are visiting other communities just in terms of hospitality, because as South Africans, we really go to the, the the nth degree to make people very, very welcome in our homes. And many, many overseas people have gone and said, 
they have never experienced hospitality like they experience hospitality in South Africa. And um, I think it's, it behooves us now just to go through a few of the stories and halakhot, um, the laws about hospitality for, uh, for of people. And um, we will do that shortly after the break. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. I want to bring to your attention some some ideas and some um, laws that the Torah uh, talks about with regard to to uh, to the idea of hospitality. First of all, it says hospitality um, mystically comes down from the attribute of chesed, of kindness, because just like God is hospitable to all of us every single day, he cares for all his creatures, so too we need to um, make a habit of being kind to all of God's creatures. And the first one who um, started um, mimicking God or um, copying God, so to speak, was in fact Abraham. He went, as we have spoken many times before, out of his way to seek guests, to welcome them into his house. Um, and as we know that his Eshel, his uh, holiday inn, was actually a mansion that had doors on all four sides. So from whichever direction a stranger came, he would be able to find an open door and he would be able to enter any way he desired so he would not be embarrassed by others. We are told that when one takes in a guest, he should greet him in a friendly manner and immediately uh, serve him food because normally a traveler is hungry and he is ashamed to um, ask for food. We're also told that it is a great merit for the, for the host himself to take care of his guests. And we should also ensure that we provide a comfortable bed to sleep in. And most importantly, or even more importantly than good food, this is something we should pay attention to because generally a person, a traveler is, is usually very fatigued. And they want nothing more than to sink into a yummy warm bed at the end of their, of their, of, of their travels. And we know that again also to be something that I, I, I know for myself is very, very welcomingly, particularly, particularly when you have traveled um, overseas and you're, you're really, really exhausted. The sages teach us that Abraham asked Nach San shame, okay, um, through what merits was Noah, uh, was, was your father Noah and, and your, you, your brothers? Why were you protected from the flood? And Shame replied, it was through the merit of charity that we did. To which Abraham asked him, well, what do you mean through the merit of charity? There weren't any poor people around. I thought that you, that everyone other than you and your family were killed. To which Shame replied, yes, but we stayed up all night feeding every single animal at its accustomed time. And it was in that merit that we were saved. So as a result of that conversation, that is how Abraham learned that offering hospitality to wayfarers is of prime importance. Um, others go, by the way, and say that the word Eshel actually um, means an orchard meaning in every place that he went, he built a beautiful, or he planted a beautiful orchard with every fruit in the world. And in the orchard, he built a beautiful 
guest house. And uh, we're told that when people would come and eat the delicious fruit, they wanted to bless Abraham. And he would reply, it is not I whom you must bless, but there is a God in heaven who is the master of it all. And it is he whom you should bless and praise. And when they said, well, how do we do that? It was Abraham who taught them how to say what we call today the Birkat Hamazon. The first blessing of the Birkat Hamazon was actually um, made up by Abraham. We're told that um, this in turn actually teaches a lesson about the fact that when one is hospitable and one is sharing of one's food and one's housing with um, a traveler, a wayfarer, or even if it is family, whoever it is, we are behaving the same way um, that God behaves to us. We don't ask God, but every morning he gives us food. He, get, he ensures that our house remains standing. We, we get everything from him, and it's a cultivation of sensitivity to the needs of others. And here we've got to say again, looking in the, the coronavirus pandemic, that again South Africa um, has has really stepped to the fore um, in this area. And I, undoubtedly, I think that we're one of the countries that's made extreme, huge efforts, not only from government point of view, but I'm talking more from a personal, from a private, from private individuals of people who have understood the plight of the homeless, of the hungry, of those that need shelter, and have really gone beyond the letter of the law in helping provide people with whatever it is that they need to try and make this difficult time that we are in um, far more comfortable. Uh, the Zohar goes and takes the word Eshel and says that when Abraham lived in Canaan, he would plant this tree. They didn't, they don't see it necessarily as a house or an orchard or holiday inn, but rather a special tree that actually gave him the power to determine what the nature of his visitors were. So when a guest would arrive, he would lead them under the special tree, and if the visitor was good, the tree would spread its branches and expand until it covered the entire courtyard. And if the stranger was wicked, then the tree would withdraw its branches and make them point, uh, make them point straight up, like not offering any shade. And so Abraham knew then how to speak to the stranger and to draw them out and teach them the ways of faith. Like this just gave him an indication of what he should be saying and how he should act in hospitality. We are also told that he had a small spring um, that fed a pool under the tree, which was filled with clear, sparkling water. And if someone who was unclean came near it, the water would rise as if it wished to cleanse him. And Avram would then be aware that this person was in a defiled state and he would have to, he would um, he would have to get him cleaned up not only physically but spiritually in order that uh, that he could bring him closer into the the arena or the the, the embrace of godliness. And it says that welcoming a stranger into one's house is a very great favor. And it is an act of kindness that brings a lot of merit. And you actually score big brownie points when, 
when it uh, when you are doing the mitzvah of Hachnasat Orchem. We're going to go for a little bit of a break, and when we get back, we're going to learn why it's such a, an incredible mitzvah, and we'll take it from there. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back, and I have just a couple of minutes, so let's just understand why this mitzvah of Hachnasat Orchim is one that brings great merit. We are told that doing the mitzvah of providing hospitality is even more important than going to the synagogue in the morning. How do we know that? Because in the beginning of our Sidurim, um, it is said that Eile Devarim, Sha'adam, that these are the these are the these are the deeds that one is rewarded for um, in uh, with fruits in this world with the principle of remaining in the world to come, and it says there hachnasat orchim, and then only afterwards does it say that getting up early for the synagogue, which means we see hospitality comes before the synagogue, um, and so if you have to be hospitable, then you know your priority, and not only. Um, providing good hot food for a guest is important, as I said before, but providing a comfortable bed where one can sleep peacefully is in fact a great merit. Now, why would praying to God take second place and Hachnasat Orkin, um, being hospitable, precede it? So Rabbi Shimon Bar Yuchai says in the Zohar that if a person welcomes strangers into his house and makes them feel at home, it will benefit him greatly when it's his time to die. Because when the soul leaves the body, it too is like a stranger. It's totally confused, doesn't know what's happening. And in the merit of hospitality, the soul is welcomed into the future world and made to feel at home. So we are mimicking this on a physical level in this world. And he goes on to say, and he says, this is especially true when one offers hospitality to a Torah scholar, because before God, this is like offering the daily sacrifice in the holy temple. So when a person has, is able to have a guest, he should rejoice and he should thank God for providing him with the opportunity to extend hospitality. Um, and this has the ability to annul evil decrees. And that's also why we saw earlier on, a couple of weeks ago, when God wanted to destroy storm, he sent three angels to Abraham. Remember, disguised as wayfarers. So they would give him the merits of hospitality, and it, we are told that it was through that merit that um, Lot was able to to uh, to escape. And finally, we know when it, there is a time of calamity, a time of a plague, like we are now, like in coronaviruses, God recalls that anybody who's acted kindly with the poor saved them from death, because we know it's a doctor Tatsil Mamavet that charity saves from death. So one must be very careful to be very sensitive to those around us that are lacking and those that need our assistance in particularly hard times as we are living today. Incredible, incredible insight from the Torah, which is always so, so timely and relevant um, despite the many thousands of years um, where the, this first story uh, came about. I hope that's given you a lot more insights and a lot more motivation to go out and just do your little part, your little mitzvah in making this world a better space. So off you're on your way, off you go, and please God, we'll be back same time, same place next week following the wonderful footsteps of our forefather Abraham.